Outside, should I run and hide? How do I take my company worldwide? Do you love the law? Did you watch Hee Haw? What's the weirdest thing that you ever saw? What's it like in court? Favorite sport? Can you help with my book report? Is my hair too long? Am I right or wrong? And do you mind if I sing along to anything? Ask Alan anything in the world. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to the, this uh, episode of Ask Alan, the podcast. I'm Alan Crone, the CEO of the Crone Law Firm, and we got a really special show for you today. One of my most favorite people uh, in the world, a fixture in Midtown Memphis, who was formerly with uh, Molly's La Casita. Uh, several generations of uh, my family uh, have grown up uh, knowing uh, uh, Kelly, my, my kids, uh, uh, thank the world of her, and uh, she's always made our time uh, at the restaurant special. Kelly, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Alan. I appreciate it. Um, well, Kelly, I guess tell us a little bit about uh, an origin story. How did uh, uh, are you from Memphis? I was born in Helena, Arkansas. Uh, my father was a disc jockey there for a while, but we only lived there two years after I was born. I'm the only person in my family for I know six generations that was not born in Memphis. So <laughs> I kind of like I kind of like that distinction yeah. for some reason. Um, so I grew up in Memphis, went to Messick High School, went to campus school for elementary, then Messick, and uh, had numerous jobs and then uh, fell into Molly's. That was a continuation of a job I had with Molly's on Lamar in 1974 and 1975. My older brother and I worked for her. So, so, so I had been working at, go ahead. So you, you, you worked for Molly? Yes, I did I actually worked for her in the what, 70s. What was she like? Um, she did not care for me very much. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> she worshiped my brother, just worshiped him. But every time if she saw me take a tip, she would tell me to get take it back to him. And I was so young, I was just intimidated. So I would go go out and try to give the person the money back and they would just laugh and say, just put it in your pocket, Kelly. She's not gonna know. <laughs> <laughs> um, she, she was a nice lady. I've I, I really loved Molly very much. What kind of business woman was she? Uh, not, a fantastic businesswoman. Um, Robert Chapman is the one who really got the restaurant going. Molly had called Robert in 1982 and had told him that the health department had shut her down in that old building on Lamar. And she didn't know what to do. And she was crying horribly, Robert told me. And Robert didn't want to lose her food. And he reached out to some restaurant people, Mr. Sam, Sam Barmarito, Pete and Sam's, Thomas Boggs of Huey's and several others. And they helped Robert get equipment together and secure a location. And the rest is a history of uh, 38 years strong on Lamar. I mean, on Madison. Right, right. How, how long was she with us on Madison? Molly died in 1996. I'm pretty sure it was 96. And her 
role on Madison was Robert bought her out long before Molly died. Mm -hmm. But Robert being who Robert is, every two weeks he gave her a paycheck. He paid her before he paid himself, which speaks volumes of his character. Sure. Um, and Molly would come down there, Mr. Edwards would drive her there. She would come down there at least five days a week and she would try taco meat, chili gravy, beans, rice, and salsa. Those were the five. And when she walked in, whoever was managing needed to hightail it to the kitchen and get her those things on a plate. And I have a fabulous story to tell if there's time for it. Absolutely, absolutely. One day I was working and Molly came in and you know she had her one particular table she'd like to sit at, table 47, right there by the lattice, by the, by the restrooms. And I went and got her her plate of food and Ruben Romero, a longtime employee, was back in the kitchen, which I was grateful because he was fantastic at his job and he had just made taco meat. And I said, Ruben, let me taste the taco meat real quick before I take out her plate of food. I tasted it, it tasted fantastic, I thought. So I go out and take her the food, set it down, go on about my business. I come walking back through to go to the kitchen to get a table's food and she grabs me by the arm and I mean hard. And I said, what is it, Miss Molly? And she said, can I cuss on the show? Sure, sure. She said, what is this And I said, I said, my God, what are you talking about? And she said, this taco meat. And I said, uh, Reuben just made that taco meat, Molly. I don't know what you're talking about. And she said, you better go talk to him about it. He cooked it 10 minutes too long. And inside, I'm like going, you don't, there's no way. How, how in the world can you even say that? So I turn and I go back to the kitchen and I say to Reuben, Reuben, what can you tell me about this taco meat? And as God is my witness, he looked at me and he said, I'm sorry, Kelly, I cooked it 10 minutes too long. <laughs> and I went, what? And he said, I cooked it 10 minutes too long. I cooked the sauce 10 minutes too long. I said, oh my God. I walked back to Molly and I said, well, he cooked it 10 minutes too long, Molly. And she looked at me and she said, I know that. What I want to know is why. And I was like, holy moly. I went to the office and called Robert and I said, you better be sitting down for this one, man, because you're not going to believe this. And I told him the story and Robert laughed and he said, Kelly, I knew she was good but I had no idea she was that good. It's one of my favorite stories to tell of her. Well, that's someone who knows their business. Absolutely, she knew her business, no doubt about it. And Robert never added a dish to the menu until it got her approval. Cause he developed numerous dishes on the menu as well as I did as well. What do you think she would say was her strongest uh, offering at Molly's? What was she the proudest of, of, of what she served? I would have to say her beans because they stand out from any other beans in any other Mexican restaurant I've ever been anywhere in the country. Her beans are signature. You're not going to find them anywhere else. 
You're, you're, you're right about that. I rarely, um, outside of Molly's, I rarely, uh, bother with the beans because the beans are, I, I don't know, they're, um, a little mushy that a lot of times they don't have a lot of flavor, but, uh, hers just, hers, they do, they stand out. That's, that's, that's a wonderful point. Um, what do you yeah. think it, it is? I mean, Molly's, as you say, has been around, uh, 38 plus years, uh, has survived, uh, good times, bad times, uh, survive the, the pandemic it looks like i hope uh what's the what's what do you think is the ingredient if you will to the success of the of the store of the you know the the restaurant itself well i tell you alan um we've been fortunate enough to have employees there who've been there for decades um and that speaks volumes for robert and jamie robert's wife jamie who runs it now and has since his death, um, we're a family. And people feel that when they come in. And me being there as long as I was there, um, I always had great stories to tell people. And I think that people could tell that I loved the employees as, and I loved Molly's. I love the business and I stood up for our business and stood up for the employees and we were just, you know, we were had moments of dysfunction as any family can have dysfunction. But all in all, uh, I think that we're a very close and cohesive group and that you're like Anytime I was out sick or had some kind of tragedy in my life. I can't tell you how many times that you know, my cooks and my dishwashers would call and check on me as well as the waiters, but my guys in the back of the house really, uh, really protected me. And, and uh, I love that about those guys. So it's, it's unusual for me not to be working there, but I still go there and meet people up there for dinner. And it's a, uh, it's a good thing. I'm too old for that job. Well, as you know, my, my children, every single one of them, uh, sat on the floor in a car seat uh, at Molly's as they were coming up. And, uh, you know, I guess it's a, it's a testament to 2021, kind of where we are. When I, when I went home from college, I wanted to go and get a certain dish that my mother made. When my kids home from co come home from college, they want to go to Molly's. And I think it's yeah. as much for that family feeling as it is for the food. Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. I, if I had a dollar for every time throughout the years that I would see a family come in or a couple and they said, oh, my God, we just got back in town and just left the airport. And our first stop was Molly's. If I had a dollar for every time I heard that, I would be living on a beach somewhere. <laughs> and, that, and that's just not an exaggeration. It's just the truth. And I feel so fortunate to be a part of a restaurant that I've seen three generations, three generations. And I, I love that. And, you know, speaking of, of your kids and your family, y'all are one of my favorite families, uh, without a doubt. And uh, uh, I just love your kids and, and uh, wish them the best and i hope that someday i can come up there and meet y'all for dinner and catch up we'll do it because do it james getting his yellow cheese dip we can't have that that's right that's right uh yeah we walk in and 
uh, everybody knows what, particularly James, what James wants, uh, because his order is so particular. Um, of course, his, his order everywhere is very particular. I mean, you name any restaurant in Memphis uh, where he goes and he has a, an off the menu order that they they give for him. But uh, uh, Molly's is uh, is one of those places. Now, let me ask you this. You know, um, Molly's was Mexican food before Mexican food was cool in Memphis. Um, I remember back in the day, yes. basically it was ponchos and Molly's and maybe a couple other chains, uh, you know, national type. Yeah, Gonzalez and Gertrude. Gonzalez and Gertrude's and um, Ponchos. And Ponchos. I, I forgot about TNGs. That's right. That's, that was big when I was in college. Uh, and, of course, it's, it's not there anymore. Um, no. What, what is – what's uh, the business – what do you think – is there another business reason why Molly's was able to, is able to stand out now um, amid a pro proliferation of Mexican restaurants? I mean, every everywhere you go, uh, every block in Memphis seems like they've got a, a pretty good Mexican restaurant on it. But uh, Molly's keeps chugging along. Uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I do have thoughts on that, Alan. I'm glad you asked that question because when Mexican just became all the rage, I have to admit it made me nervous because as you said, on every corner, it seems like there's a dang Mexican restaurant. But um, our food, Molly's food is just so dang different. It's different. Uh, you, you, there, there's no other place like that food that you're gonna get. And as far as I'm concerned, and in a lot of ways, you're not going to find the family atmosphere that I think that Molly's has had and continues to have. I mean, it means a lot. People have told me through the years when they walk in the door and then James was bartending and they'd go to the bar. James would have their drinks sitting there long before they even sat down. Mm -hmm. And same way with the waiters, because they've been there for so many years. Somebody would come in and 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 there their drinks would be or their cheese dip or whatever, what have you, on their table. So I think that that plays a lot into our longevity. But, of course, uh, the food more than anything else and everything else is just icing on the cake. Well, uh, speaking of stories, you, you've got to have a couple uh, stories you can tell. What's the what's. What's one of the most more memorable things that happened in your, your career at Molly's? Um, well, I tell you, you know, Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top was a huge Molly's fan and he went there on the Mar. So I'm sorry, my dog is chewing up my boots. Stop that. Uh -oh. um, and he used to go to Molly's on the Mar. And when, uh, Molly and Robert opened on Madison, he would come there. And Billy Gibbons is a huge fan of Molly's beans. In fact, he was just in town, I think a month ago. Mm -hmm. Jamie sent me a picture. They were at the bar and she sent me a picture of she and Billy. And one night, Billy was in town. It was his birthday. And he had, I don't know, 12 or 13 people with him. I was off that night. And Lisa Molay, we called her Lisa Molay. That's not her her name is Lisa, but of course, Molay is not her last name, but we called her Lisa Molay. 
um, she called me up and she said, you need to get, bring your guitar and come down here to Molly's because Billy Gibbons is going to be here for his birthday. And I said, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And she said, I want you to do it, please. And I said, I'm not doing that, Lisa. And she just begged me and I said, okay, I'll do it. Um, and I didn't really want to. So I get there and hug Billy and tell him happy birthday. And I whispered to him, I said, Billy, I'm sorry, but Lisa made me bring my guitar and she wants me to play for you. And he said, well, okay, well, let's do it. And I was like, really? He said, and so I went to the back room, the room where Molly always liked to sit because Billy was up front with the big table and all his, his girlfriend and all, all the guys and just numerous people. So I got to the back room and I started playing. And I'll tell you, Alan, I played for him for about two hours. Wow. And by the end of it, it all his table, they were all in the back with me listening to me. And when I finished, Billy said, I, you know, I said, what can you show me, Billy? And he said, I, I'm, I'm not going to show you anything. You're good. I said, well, okay, thank you. Of course, that's a selfish memory. Um, it's a cool story, though. Yeah. Uh, I know that Traveler Crawford, one of our employees, who's uh, he's mentally challenged, but he's been with us 30 years. And we always try to do things special for him. And uh, I know one year in particular for his birthday, we got him a bicycle. And he couldn't believe it. You would have thought we had given him a million dollars. And he got on that bicycle and just rode through that restaurant <laughs> time and time again. It was wonderful. And the customers laughed and, and some of them got a little teary eyed and, and it was sweet. I mean, I don't even know where to begin to, to tell stories. Molly's is haunted. Um, I didn't know that. Oh yes. It, uh, yes. Who's the ghost? Beg your pardon? Who, uh, who's haunting? Well, who's the ghost? I don't know. And I had Memphis Paranormal Group up there one night. I had called them and I said, I have a lot of video and audio evidence of spirits in Molly's. And when they came down and I showed them on my phone, they were like, you got this on your phone. I said, well, you're looking at it and you're listening to it. And they were stunned, absolutely stunned. I have a video of a shadow figure going into that long, narrow room. I have audio of direct conversations. They said there's about 14 people in that restaurant, one being a little girl. And I think the little girl is attached to the church pew, but I do not know that for sure. I see. And I, I'm a sensitive, so uh, it's not surprising to me that, that all this has happened with me up there. Mm -hmm. uh, but and some of the other employees are too and and we've just heard things and seen things and and some customers as well now they don't bother customers no customer has ever said oh my gosh i'm never coming back here again because it's too weird here that that does not happen it happens with us and it happens with me a lot of things uh i go looking for it after everyone has gone from the restaurant and it's late at night and i'll try to communicate and i've gotten a a lot of stuff. It's very interesting. I would like to know who these people are, and I have asked them. I know that uh, one time Robert Bertling, who just became a detective with the Germantown police, was there, and his wife and daughter loved the stuff that I did there regarding these hauntings. Rob came in the office, and 
I was recording with uh, Meredith and Carly and my phone just started going nuts. And Rob got on there and I said, Rob, talk to him. And Rob said, you know, I'm, he identified himself and he said, if there's anything I can do to help you, please let me know. Well, the phone went nuts and my EMF detector went crazy. So I stopped it and we went back and we listened to it. And right after Rob says, if I can do anything for you, I'll be glad to help you. You hear this, Rob, I need your help. As plain as day, as plain as, I don't know if you could hear that, but the man says, Rob, I need your help. A disembodied male voice. Wow. Now, some people don't like it that I tell those stories, but I think that it's very interesting. I mean, downtown is so haunted, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. We're not like downtown, but we are haunted. What did that building used to be, do you know? I know that years and years ago, the Blue Monkey has an excellent photograph, an old photograph of the storefront. And in front of the Blue Monkey is uh, a horse-drawn carriage with the word ice on it. So. The Blue Monkey side was like a sundry store, mm -hmm. and the Molly side was uh, a cleaner's. And that area, the long, narrow corridor that people call the bus, and I still call it the booths because we used to have booths over there, the booth section, um, that's all brick. Those doors were not, those three like doorways were not there. That was, it was a solid wall and it was brick because that's where the laundry uh, stored uh, fur coats in the summertime because there wasn't air, air conditioning back then, of course. Mm. And uh, so that's the first thing that I know that it was. Mm. So I don't know if it was anything before then. I don't think it was. Well, the, the area where the, the, uh, the dairy is used to be uh, the East End uh, amusement park. Yes, my mother used to go there. So I, I would imagine that that corner was, there was probably a lot of commercial activity right there um, because people would come out to, I think the, the uh, streetcar turned around there, went back. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, who was the most famous person you ever met in Molly's? Ooh. Well, having Arden next door to us, We've had tons of musicians. Um, I would have probably have to say um, Stevie Ray Vaughan and what's his brother's name? The two brothers. They came, they recorded their most famous album uh, next door at Ardent, and I was bartending back then and bartended for them. They came in every day. Mm -hmm. And the last time I saw them was a Wednesday. And two weeks later was when that helicopter crashed. Oh. And, and he, uh, Stevie Ray was killed. So yeah. I, I, I really appreciate my time with them. Uh, REM came in every night. They did Green Day next door and they were super nice except for the lead singer, David Snipe, I think is his name. He was weird. Well, I think that's an occupational hazard of uh, lead singers. Yes, I think so. But everybody else was just real, real jovial and, and uh, really interactive with the staff. They just loved us. And I can't tell you how many albums have 
thanks to uh, Molly's on it, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, uh, uh, oh, what's that name of that group? I don't know. There's so many, Alan. I, I, I can't remember all of them. But That's I tell crazy. you what, that has, that has uh, been really a, a highlight of that restaurant, too, because when people would see people, they would just go, you know, bonkers. Um, so that was a lot of fun in and of itself. Well, in addition to being Mexican food before Mexican food was cool, um, Molly's has also been essentially Overton Square. Uh, when Overton Square went through a lot of lean times uh, and is, is still kicking along. And I remember, I think I remember when, uh, when uh, the Lobes uh, began redeveloping it, you and I talked about that, that it was either going to, you know, propel Molly's or kill it. Uh, but I just don't think you can kill Molly's. Uh, as you say, it's just too good. It's too good. It's too good. Well, we're struggling right now, to be honest. I mean, I'll just tell you, and there are many restaurants who are. We don't have enough staff. There's not enough staff to run it uh, yep. at full capacity. There's not enough waiters, and we're missing, you know, we would love to have at least two more cooks and two or three more waiters, and we'd be fine. But I mean, I was at a, a very popular restaurant last night and uh, a friend of mine that was with me kind of complained about, I can't understand there's tons of empty tables. And I said, hey, look, they're probably shorthanded. They, they, they can't seat anybody else. So that's something that's happening to a lot of people. I think that we'll survive. I, I, I don't think that um, anything will happen to Molly's. If it did, I would be quite shocked because we've gone through so many lean times. I mean, when Overton Square died, that was a scary time mm -hmm. because there was no traffic at all. And I remember when uh, Bob Loeb was uh, wanting to develop down there, one of his assistants came up to Molly's and she was interviewing people, or I don't know if interview is the right word, just talking to people and wanted their opinion of Bob going in to revitalize it. And I went, uh, she said, what are your feelings on that? And I said, well, dear God, you can't open fast enough down there. Please open, please open every storefront down there, please. Business breeds business. And she looked at me and she said, well, well, thank you for that. And I said, well, what do you mean? Thank you. Surely that's what everybody's saying. And she said, you'd be surprised. There are a lot of people who don't want us to open up down there and I said well that's insane because you want the traffic you want the dang traffic and and doing letting cars park out in front and the bike lane I think were essential to those businesses now we would love to have a big parking lot if we had a parking lot our business would be even better but people are very discouraged by that so that's sad in and of itself but that's we don't have any control over that so yeah, yeah. Overton Square opening back up was the best thing in a long time that's happened. Could you imagine if um, one of the original plans uh, not too long ago to put a big box uh, supermarket where the parking garage is, if that had happened? Um, I, I'm just so glad that it worked out the way it did. Uh, me too. I am too. That uh, I wish, and I wish people would use that parking garage more, and just walk down to Molly's and walk down to the Blue Monkey. And I think T.J. Mulligan's is going in where Elbow is right now. That's right. Um, and just just walk. 
just walk up there. You know, it's not that long of a walk. Of course, we have a lot of uh, an older generation too, and they're not going to do that. And, and and I wouldn't expect them to, but young people should. Right. Well, um, I'll, I'll say this as we, I want to switch gears on you a little bit, but uh, a little plug uh, uh, to our, our audience, go out to dinner tonight or yes. tomorrow night and tip heavy, tip big. Yeah. These folks uh, yes. that wait on you, uh, they rely on those tips. And um, I, I just can't tell you how important it is to leave a good tip. Um, it makes uh, it makes their day. Uh, it uh, sometimes it might even be the difference between making their bills or not making the bills. So go out to dinner and uh, tip your tip your wait staff uh, heavily. Tip more than you think you should. And I'd like to comment on that too, if I may, Alan. Okay. Um, I've had the discussion slash argument with people for years over tipping, and people would say to me, "I don't think it's my responsibility to pay your staff." To which I would say, you know what, you know, if you want me to pay the wait staff $15 an hour, $20 an hour, then your $10 margarita is going to cost you $25. And I bet you don't want to pay $25 every time you get one of those margaritas. I would much rather go out to a restaurant and leave a tip because tipping tip stands for to ensure proper service, mm -hmm. um, then inflated prices in food. So I couldn't agree more. I mean, we've always, people have gotten on to me too about, I, I heard some, someone the other day said to me, well, doesn't that tell you Kelly that y'all should have been paying your employees more before this pandemic? And I said, well, you can stop right there. We have paid our dish room and our cooks an excellent wage, an excellent wage. We were ahead of the time, I'm very happy to say, where that is concerned. Now the the white staff, they still make their normal, what, 250 an hour or something? 213. But yeah, they're, we're fortunate enough to uh, have regular clientele such as yourself who go above and beyond uh, what's typically expected for a tip. And that's what keeps them there. That's what makes them happy. And you, you are right. Please, everybody go out and tip and have a good time. We need it. We need it and so, do, so does everyone else. Yes, yes. We all need to get back in the saddle. And um, I was at the Grizzlies game last night. This will date this show a little bit. It was the last uh, playoff game in Memphis. Well. The last one currently scheduled. Hopefully they'll be back for another uh, for game six. But I, I'm, I'm based on what happened last night. I'm not too old. Um, but, you know, it's just I, I was sitting there and everybody's got their mask on. And Kelly, you know, I was real involved in um, shutdown on the government side and the reopening. And I've read as much as anybody has. And I've been as big a supporter of masks as anyone. And there are lots of people, even with vaccines, uh, that can't get the vaccine or whatever, that still need the mask, and that's fine. Um, but I think we all need to kind of readjust our thinking that we, you know, we're out of this, we're out of this thing where we got to worry about the, the hospitals filling up, and we got to go back out to eat, we got to go back out to work. And uh, Molly's is a good just microcosm of that 
of that kind of uh, uh, phenomenon, that it's it's people's lives, it's people's livelihoods, people's careers, people's lives. And um, the more we can we can open up our hearts and our pocketbooks and and get back to doing what we were doing before uh, as soon as possible, I think we'll be in better shape. Absolutely. And, and, and I wish people would relax a little bit. Now, we've made people mad because we are truly rule followers where all this has been concerned. Mm -hmm. And uh, the CDC says something. Well, we, we do it. Whereas other people were not doing it. We did it. We would make people mad. But, uh, you know, we just wanted to be careful. Well, but, let me ask you yeah. this. You've been in the restaurant business uh, a good while. Yes, sir. And you've seen things come and you've seen things go. Do you think there are some innovations that um, not just Molly's, but that the, that the industry has gone through that that are for good or bad are going to stay as a result of this whole thing? Well, I think that uh, people pay more attention to um, people's health, you know, and the cleanliness. Uh, I love going in somewhere and there's, you know, hand sanitizer right there. I mean, did, would I think that it would be necessary before? No, I don't. But do I think it's perhaps necessary now? Yeah, I don't. I don't mind doing that. I don't mind. You know, you know, a lot of people they'll go and wash their hands anyway before they eat, as as anyone should. But but to be able to walk to a, a, a station and or in a restaurant or any business and be able to use some hand sanitizer, I I I it makes me feel better. It makes me feel safer. And uh, I like that part of this, what this pandemic has done. That's about the only thing I like about it. But uh, uh, I think that we've learned a lot. Um, but it's, as you said, it's now time for people to let's relax and, and uh, still start going out and having fun and just be, be aware. Don't go out if you're sick. Yeah, yeah. Please don't. Don't, and I can't t tell you how many times I would wait on somebody or seat somebody and they start sneezing and, you know, they can't even speak because they're so sick. And I'd look at them like, why are you here? Do, I don't, I don't want to get sick, numb skulls, you know. Right. So people need to be more careful of that. And I think that that is, has come out of this as well, that people will be more aware of their well being and knowing the serious consequences if they go out and spread their germs. So that I like. Well, um, I understand you've, uh, uh, over the last couple of months, you've uh, taken up uh, maybe not a new hobby, but you, you reacquainted uh, yourself with photography. Is that right? Yes, I, I've been uh, really focusing on, on some photographs for a couple of years and, and I'm enjoying that a lot. Um, and several people have suggested I have a show. So I'm kind of looking into that. I'm not the best photographer in the whole wide world. Not, uh, I don't claim to be, but I will say this and I need to get back in touch with him. Bill Eggleston considered the father of color photography and Robert were extremely good friends. And on one of my trips to Alaska and it may have been my first trip, I don't remember. But there are a couple of photographs that really stood out to me. And I asked Bill one time when he was at the restaurant, I said, if you're coming next week, I want to bring some photographs and have you look at them. He said, okay, that's fine, Kelly, whatever. Well, he came back and I had the photographs with me and he started looking through them and he said, let me tell you something. 
I'd like to put my name on a couple of these. And I went, really? I said, oh my God, Bill, that's awesome. Put that in writing, man. And sign it. <laughs> so I, I've been, I've been doing a lot with it. And, uh, um, uh, I, I've got some of them sitting, sitting out right now and I love it. I, I love, uh, the detail that I'm getting. And it's just something that I'd really like to delve into a little bit more and I'd like to share that my work with people. And I have, I have a, a particular tree that I like to photograph and I call it my little tree. It's my little tree and I've photographed it for the last couple of years and people just go nuts over my little tree, you know? And, mm -hmm. and so it's been fun. I'm on Facebook and, and, so I post my pictures. I love taking pictures of clouds and, and I take pictures of my two little knuckleheads that I have, Jesse James Johnson, the outlaw and little Ollie, my newest dog, cause Jesse James is old. And uh, I take pictures of them and it's just something that, that I really love. Uh, my dad was a fantastic photographer and Nancy, my partner of 29 years was a fantastic photographer. She passed away two years ago. And so I'd like to think that I'm channeling a little bit of both of them when sure. I take my pictures. Nancy, above our fireplace is a picture of the Bridge of Size, I think it's what it's called in Florence. Mm. And Na uh, Nancy took it from a cathedral and, and it's at a certain angle of the bridge. And she was looking through her gourmet magazine one day and she said, oh my goodness, you're not gonna believe this, come look at this. And it was a picture and taken from the exact same place that Nancy had taken her picture, which proved that she has a good eye yes. or she had a good eye for photography and angles and things. And, and I, I hope that I'm doing her proud as well as my dad. Well, very good, very good. That's a, that's a, that's a great reason to do anything. Yeah, yeah, you know? I, I'm enjoying it. I'm backing my music a little bit more and I'm enjoying that as well. And, and I'm into uh, gardening. I've put a couple of flower beds out front. I got real frustrated one day and I went out with the chainsaw and cut down all, all the bushes in, in front of my house. And with my neighbor coming over, the, over and saying, well, I see you just cut down the bushes I planted 10 years ago. And I was like, oh, Mike, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't remember that you planted these. <laughs> so that was embarrassing, but I love the flower beds and they, they're coming along nicely. And so I'm enjoying uh, my life. I'm, I'm uh, happy for the first time in, in many years. I've had a lot of tragedy in my life the past six years, uh, more than uh, most people have in a lifetime. And I don't have the stress of running a restaurant anymore. Like I said, I'm too old for it. <laughs> and, you know, Jamie has hired uh, a guy to take over and I'm so happy for that and just not having this stress I, I'm just I'm happy you yeah. know I'm just happy and grateful and do I appreciate my time at Molly's you better believe it and I'll take up for that restaurant until the day I die and I'll be a part of that restaurant until the day I die I told I told somebody the other day I said well, you know, I expect the red carpet treatment when I go in there and for people to stand up and give me a round of applause every time, every time I walk in. 
of course that doesn't happen. But when I went in the other day, I couldn't walk three feet without a table grabbing me and saying, oh my God, it's so glad to see you. I'm so glad you're here. We've really missed you. And that, that just makes my heart smile so big. That, it doesn't uh, surprise me at all, Kelly. Doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, maybe so you'd be able to sit down at at what was it, table forty-seven? Yes, sir. And and have uh, and be able to tell if the taco meat was cooked uh, ten minutes too long. Wouldn't that be something? I'm not as good as Molly. I can tell you that, but uh, uh, wow, that's a story I'll never forget. And I, uh, maybe maybe one day. I'll be as good as her, but I doubt it. <laughs> well, Kelly, I, I, at the end of our time, I, I really have enjoyed uh, uh, chatting with you as I always do. And thank you for some of those stories, you know, that um, just need to be told uh, so that people, you know, don't forget the history behind, uh, behind uh, important places in Memphis like Molly's. Molly's is an important place in Memphis because of the memories people have of it and uh, the positive associations and just the great times that happened there. So thank you for sharing that with us. Well, thank you for having me on, Alan. I really do appreciate uh, your family's love for Molly's and, and y'all's love for me, actually. And I hope uh, someday soon uh, y'all give me a call and I'll meet y'all up there and we'll have some yellow cheese dip together. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. All right. Thank well, thank, thank you so much, Kelly. Thank all of you for watching. And if you've enjoyed this episode, and, and let's not kid ourselves, of course you, you loved it. This was great. You found out about ghosts and Molly's, and you found out about uh, Billy Gibbons and, and his love for, uh, for Molly's and many, many other things. So um, so please uh, share us on social media. Uh, forward this uh, to someone you think would enjoy it. And uh, go to Molly's or go to another restaurant. And, uh, and again, tip your wait staff. Uh, so this is Alan Crone. Uh, I'm going to go uh, get some justice. Kelly is going to go take some pictures and uh, work on her flowers. And uh, we'll all see we'll see you all at uh, Molly's real soon. Bye.